Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on MTP, we recap the Dallas Cowboys win over the Philadelphia Eagles from this past Monday. We'll discuss Justin Fields' debut for the Bears. We'll talk Tom Brady's return to Foxborough versus the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. And we'll even check in on those Boston Red Sox and their spectacular late-season collapse. This is Missing the Point, episode 89. And yes, we did change our logo. Welcome to Missing the Point. I'm Mike, joined here by the real BK, Bob Kelly, with Craig, as always, behind the booth. Uh, and today we are talking week three NFL recap. We're talking about Tom Brady's homecoming. We're also talking maybe a little bit about uh, the Boston Red Sox and their utter, utter collapse over the weekend. But I think I owe it to the person sitting across from the, the camera with me to first talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys monumental victory last night 41 21 over the philadelphia eagles eagles we i think we talked about bobby they're not like a they're not a great team but a division win is a division win so before we get into it oh also between all of that we're gonna bk is gonna give us his uh his power rankings which i'm sure will cause a controversy why don't you tell me a little bit more about what you thought about that game last night, Monday Night Football, 41-21 over the Eagles. Uh, you know, so what the thing with good teams, though, is like, so I've been trying to, to stop myself from telling myself this team is good for the last two weeks. I know I put them in my top 10. I know I talk a big game. But anyone I'm texting, I'm like, wait, are, are we actually good? Like, is this team actually a good football team? Because that's something that, yeah, I can't get to my head of doing when it comes to Cowboys Nation. But... To show out against a team in your division like this, like coming into this game, I was like, okay, if we blow them out after beating the Chargers last week, we might actually be a legit team. And we came in and we blew the goddamn doors off the Eagles, man. From moment one, the only hiccup the entire game was really that Dak fumble in the end zone. Other than that, man, that was just complete and utter domination by the Cowboys. So the turnaround from the defense... Dak Prescott, listen, we'll get there. Dak Prescott showing that he came back. I, honestly, I, he looks better. He looks more in control than he did at the beginning of last year. Having Zeke, having Pollard as his tandem, the wide receivers we have, man. Cedric Wilson stepped in. We didn't even notice Gallup was gone. And then you go over to the defense, and it's like, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, 
but I love our defense this year. And it's not that we stop teams. It's not that we don't give up yards. We give up first downs. But when it comes down to it, I, I can almost predict it, man, where it's like when you need that turnover, whether it be in the red zone, whether it be a pick six, like we saw last night with Diggs, this defense seems to have turned into a ball hawking defense. And, and in my mind, it's Dan Quinn. That's why. But th- this was one of the best football games, honestly. Not best. One of my favorite and funnest football games I've watched in the last five to 10 years, just because of how dominant and how good they actually looked. Are we able to just put this, the, your, <laughs> the way that you're talking about this defense into perspective, right? So I think uh, because they were probably one of the worst defenses in the history of the National Football League a year ago, the improvement that you were, that, that we're seeing, yeah, it's, it makes it look like they're, I'm going to say it right now. I, you know, I love you, Bobby, that they're better than they are because what they're not is they're not a top 10 defense at, by any stretch of the imagination. They're still allowing, you know, 20 points a game. They're still allowing 400 yards a game. They're still allowing 331 passing yards a game. And I think, yeah, I, they, they, but they are opportune. I think that's the thing, right? They, mm-hmm. they are a team that it, it's kind of, I don't want to, you know, relate everything back to New England. But it's very Bill Belichickian in the sense that they are a bend but not break team. Yeah. Uh, right. And when the opportunity strikes, they are there. And also, like Micah Parsons, Jesus, he's unbelievable. And in the fact with, with Mike, so the reason I, I do have more confidence, not only in this year with this defense, but moving forward than I have in so long, is because of the backbones of that defense now are Trevon Diggs and Micah Parsons. Man, those two guys are absolute studs. As we all know him, Stefan's brother. Those two <laughs> dudes, those two dudes are are just absolute studs out there. You mix that with Dan Quinn, man, and, and I think this defense is only going to get better from here. I, I get what you're saying about not being a top ten defense. I do because I don't think they are. But the the way I look at it is, the Cowboys have so the Cowboys had the best offense in the league last year, right? So, or two years ago, statistically, worst defense in the league, and they went eight eight, which is normal. If the Cowboys that season had a defense even remotely close to this defense that, that, that could have forced those turnovers, that could have, you know, because, you know, tur- turnovers can turn a game so fast, man. Yeah. You saw it in the Pats game. You saw it in this Cowboys game. A pick six, man, is it, it, it can be ball game sometimes. And to have finally have that ability is, is something that, you know, I, I can't even describe it because I'm just not even used to it. Like, I don't even know what to do at this point. But yeah, so I'm just pumped, man. I'm so Yeah, I, I think we were talking about it last year and even the year before. Uh, you know, if that offense just had, you know, maybe not the 32nd ranked defense, but how about the 20th? Like, you're at 11 and 5, 12 and 14. Now you get the, you know, when it comes to just overall, you're the 13th ranked defense, which if that's the case... And Dad plays that way. It's gonna. It's going to be tough for them to not go twelve and five, right? Especially in the division they're in. So what last night proved to me is the Cowboys are above and beyond because the the best team in the NFC East. Reason I say that is because coming into this week, right? You have this. You have the. I almost said it. Uh, I was pulled the Monday Night Football announcer from last night. Uh, so you have the football team. You have the Giants. And you have uh, the Eagles. The Eagles were kind of like the sleeper team coming in this week. People were like, oh, maybe they're the team that can challenge the Cowboys in the NFC East. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. None of those teams are coming close to the boys. 
unless the Redskins can turn into the defense nope, last nope. year. So, so can't call that. Oh, what? The football team can turn into... <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Chris Nealon all over again? To turn into that team uh, that we saw last year. That's the only chance they have. Other than that, the Cowboys will run away with this division if they keep up with what they kept up with last night. Because that was just, I'm still speechless, man. I, I was expecting it, but I wasn't. Because it's just weird to me that you're speechless. Now, I, I, I gather that some of these are from, you know, that, that, that they're garbage yards, right? But I never would have thought that you would be speechless when you read an opposing quarterback stat line of, 25 of 39 for 326, two touchdowns, two picks, one pick six. But like, that's not that pick six was egregious. Uh, however, Jalen Hurts, who's not known for his passing ability, threw all over you, but somehow you still won by 20. Somehow, a lot of that it was garbage time. Uh, I mean, coming out of that first half, man, and that could have been 35 to seven, it should have been 35 to seven. Uh, with Dak Prescott scoring that touchdown, that game was over from the second quarter. I honestly think as soon as Trevon picked that ball off, you saw the defense slack off a little bit. You yes. saw them fall back in the coverage, and that's why you see those numbers. I'm really not worried about it. I-, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm really not worried about this defense right now. The only thing that scares me about this team is the goddamn special teams, man. They're going to cost us two two games, maybe. They already have. They've already cost you one. Right, it already cost us one. And imagine, oh my God, man. Can you imagine if Zerline hits that field goal and we ended up beating the Bucs and we're 3-0 after beating the Buccaneers Chargers and then smoking the Eagles, bro? Literally, all he had to do was just hit one of the three that he missed. It's unbelievable. That's why it, it, and for us to beat the Chargers too, like I know I'm like getting excited and like talking ahead of myself because like I haven't had a team like this that beats a quarterback like Justin Herbert, that beats a team with the upside of the Chargers, and then comes back to the next week in a game that they should win, and they actually do it. That's the thing that stands out to me. Is like coming into this week, the reason I think this team is actually legit, and I think that we are going somewhere this year, who knows where that is. Maybe it's the first round exit in the playoffs. I'll take it. You will absolutely not take that. You say that right now, but I know what you will be. You'll be insufferable if, if, if they go 12 and five and somehow they lose in the first round. But that does bring me to a question though. Well, as a Cowboys family, you know way more about them than I do. How much of their success now, we've already attributed their defensive success to, to Dan Quinn. You say that Dak looks so much better. How much of that is now that he's had a full off season to work in Mike McCarthy's offense? It's not Mike McCarthy. I can tell you that. I, I know what you're saying, but I think it's, I, I love, maybe Mike McCarthy's having a bigger influence on Kellen Moore, but the play calling that Kellen Moore is rolling out this season is so different than past years. He's actually getting into that next realm of that NFL, uh, I don't know how to say it, play, play calling style, I guess, whatever, where there's lots of pre-snap motion. There's lots of misdirection. There's things that that the Cowboys have been missing for the past three, four years underneath Jason Garrett. Um, so it, it's just to see us turning the corner like this is probably the most upside I've seen the Cowboys have in since that 13-3 deck year, right? Without a doubt. So 2016? Yeah. I mean, again, we talked about this the, the other day. You've had a pretty good run of Cowboys uh, success recently. I mean, on- honestly... You had 12 and four in what, 2014 with Romo? He gets hurt the next year. They go four and 12. Then the year after the Dak, Dak comes here and, and he's 13 and three. 
offense really has not been an issue in Dallas for 10 years. It's always defense. Always defense. Uh, not to get negative, just a question. Mm-hmm. How confident are you that they can hold, that they can keep playing like this, that they can continue to be the opportune defense that you've been seeing? About a six. If I, if I was being real, about a six. Listen, I, I've seen this before. Like, that's why I'm like really trying not to get too excited. That's why I'm like really trying to stop myself from being like, wow, we're really good. That's why I'm here too. Three years ago, two years ago, we started out six and zero oh, or five and zero, oh, and then ended up 10 and six. So, you know, like, yes, we made the playoffs. We lost in the Rams. It's just, it's not what I'm looking for. So I'm really stopping myself from getting too excited. Trying to stop myself from getting too excited. I mean, based on what you've seen, doesn't 10 and seven still get you the, uh, the division? And I mean, the NFC East is, I mean, unless, like you said, unless Chase Young and, and the, the football team set it on fire over the, the next, you know, 10 games. Or unless Philly does figure it out offensively, but I don't think that they have the horses to, to match you defensively. It, it feels like 10 and 7 was, is good enough for that division. I want us at home, is my thing. So, yes, we'll get that first round, that first round home game if we win the division, but I want that second round home game because last night shows me that Dak loves playing in Dallas. He loves that stadium. He loves those fans. If you get this man this year on this mission that he's on, in this in this headspace that he's on, in front of his home crowd in the playoffs, I would have really hard time betting against the Cowboys. So, uh, as much as I would love ten and seven to win the division, I want more. I, I need this team to be twelve and five. Still, so weird to say to me twelve and five, thirteen and four, somewhere around there, and, and that's where I would feel satisfied and feel confident going in the playoffs. Ten and seven, yes, it'll get us there. It's not going to do the trick, man. It's not going to do the trick. How good did Dak look? 21 of 26. Two, I mean, the yards aren't there. Like 238, that's fine. But three touchdowns. On, and I think the most important thing that you've already talked about, right? I think the, because this is a perfect segue for us to move to, uh, to, to our next topic. He's never looked more in control and more confident, but calling the place ever. Yeah. And, and you know, you know what showed that his confidence so much Taylor, where like his swag that he's got going on right now is that end of the game. I, I, it seems silly, but that up and down that that O-line did, that he told them to do. I don't know if you guys saw it where he did, they did like the old school as they're going to kneel the ball. They go like up, down, and then they went and kneeled the ball. And it's like, bro, that's, that's like that Red Sox stuff they were doing in the dugout this year where they're, where they're rolling around on carts and stuff. Like that's the swag that you need to make runs and it i just feel like with dak with that headspace he's in making those decisions having the confidence of his team and, and then exuding that to the rest of the team to where they're doing stuff like that bro i can't say it right now don't make me say this bro <laughs> i think it's a special year in dallas man and, and i know it's only week three but like it just it feels so good man it, i know it's one dak injury away from just being over completely but I, I honestly, like I was saying earlier, I haven't seen the Cowboys show up like that and win a game like they're supposed to in a convincing, emphatic fashion, especially against a rival. Five years. At least five years, right. Since pretty much that's the best game I've seen in the play since that Steelers game in that 13-3 and three Dak season. That, that's the, the most fun I've had watching a game since then. So that's just where I feel like the headspace of this team is. So 
I, I do think there is big things ahead of, for the Capitalists this year. Surprise, surprise. Hot take in the century. In, in all fairness, you're typically like, this is a very special year for the boys, like pre-week one, and then by week three, you're already looking to next year. So this, this is different. And honestly, like you can't, you just can't ignore what, the, what they've done. I, I gave you a lot of shit for it, but they hung in there with the Super Bowl champions. They then beat someone that we all think is probably the next up and coming uh, quarterback in the league in Justin Herbert. And then they did, like you said, they did what they're supposed to do and they beat a subpar team handily. Yeah. And the Herbert thing stands out to me a lot too for this defense because he is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And they turned him over twice in the red zone. Twice. And, and that's, that's a big thing to do against a good quarterback, man. Like if you can go up against all pro quarterbacks, granted, yes, he's got a day of yards. He is. But when he messes up and you capitalize on those mistakes, man, that's the sign of a good defense. And it's like, it's just, I can't believe I'm saying it about the Cowboys. It's just so mind blowing to me that like, I actually have a defense that's ball hawking, that's opportunistic and forces turnovers. And it's still, it's crazy to me because every year we're at the bottom of the league in turnovers. I haven't seen a game with multiple t- interceptions since before this year in so long. So, Byron Jones was here for four years. Four years. He had three interceptions. Trevon Diggs has played three games. He has three interceptions. It's it's a different, it's different. While we're on the topic, before we move off, uh, which now knowing what you know and seeing what you have seen, would you have still, would you still rather that, that they would have gotten certain? Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. Okay. I guess the right person. He is the perfect fit for that defense. He's a rookie of the year right now, right? When you say defensive rookie of the year, it's a yes. without a doubt. And the fact that he has, like you said, he's perfect for that defense because like me and DK were talking about earlier, he's this guy that you can put anywhere. Man. anywhere. He, he can cover anyone. He can edge rush. He can um, defend the rush. He just he literally is an all-around player. So the Cowboys got one guy and they got three different positions out of work. Listen, I completely forgot Randy Gregory was out until the third quarter, man. Like, that's how good he was playing last yeah. night. That, like, when the announcers were like, Randy, not Grant, Randy Gregory, yeah, Demarcus Lawrence. The announcers were like, Demarcus Lawrence is out. And I was like, oh, shit. Demarcus Lawrence is out. <laughs> and, it, and it was just, it's, it's amazing, man. I'm so happy that the Broncos. I mean, maybe it was good to say it was Bridgewater. Well, it was good. But the Broncos fucked up and, and didn't take fields or didn't take one of those quarterbacks and went Sertan because I'm so happy Mike is in Dallas, man. He's so good. So good. We we just got uh, got through talking about how great Dak looks, how in command he looks. Can we, should we talk about Justin Fields and that absolute abomination, sorry, DK, that was a football game and a performance? The Bears, uh, you know, the score, you, you always tell me that the score isn't everything. Look past the stats, sure. The Bears lose by 20 to the Cleveland Browns, 26 to 6. Justin Fields was 6 of 20 for 68 yards and was sacked nine times for 67, meaning that he had <laughs> one passing yard in the game. Now, I still want him here. I would still rather have Justin Fields over uh, over Mac Jones. You know, every day of the week, twice on Sunday. 
how bad of a play caller or a game planner do you have to be to design the game that you did for him? Why does Matt Nagy design a game where he's uh, he drops a Justin Field back like he's a pocket passer? He isn't yet. Bro, he was an, he was an empty back shotgun. Uh, I I went back and watched some of the game. He was an empty empty back shotgun for almost half of that game. Where he had listen, that's absurd. That is crazy. This isn't. Miami, all right. This isn't Ohio State. This isn't these offenses that you can just sit back here with. Well, we're just gonna spread you out, and and he's not the way this works, man. It's it was it was so bad, so bad. Listen, what Fields? We we both even know. Well, what did you do if Fields was there? You run pistol, and you run RPOs all goddamn game long. You at least make it look like you know that he can do something other than stand in the pocket and throw because we all know that he's a great athlete, probably one of the best at, at the quarterback position that we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And yet you line him up like he's Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers, just empty form. Oh, you said empty formation shotgun and, and they can't stop anybody, literally anybody. They're going to get him killed. Yeah, that was really bad, man. I'm with uh, Mr. Orlovsky over there where I think that's a fireable offense. I think I, if I was DK, bro, I would have been at, I was at Sol- is it Soldier Field stuff? Yeah. Isn't it, it, okay. I would have been at Soldier Field, just protest, get him out of there, man. Because uh, I compared Nagy to Garrett before. He's worse. He's worse <laughs> than Garrett. The Bears, again, it's a, they're one and two so far. It's tough. I do think that they have the future with uh, on their team currently however th- what we just saw last week they're putting their future in jeopardy i mean you you can't leave them out there like that yeah man it it, it really did it reminded me of uh a lot of david carrier you know what i mean that's what that looked like where you had a quarterback who did have upside and promise and you're right that's gonna kill if, if this is what it is all year Especially for a scramble quarterback like this, he, his confidence is going to be gone, man. Because if he's not out there making plays, he's not doing his thing like Fields can do. We've seen it with scrambling quarterbacks before, with guys who do have that loose cannon who, who like to, to force the ball and make those big plays. When they start to get in their head, they start to turn the ball over a lot. What? And, and that—that's what I see coming from Fields. If if they don't figure something out, whether it be just sit in fields and ride it out with Foles and Dalton, which is what I would do. But if I was the Bears and a GM, I'd be like, listen, I'm forcing you to do this. If not, you're fired. Yeah. But at the end of the season, you fire him anyways. Well, the whole the whole logic behind it, though, right, is that what we've heard from the beginning of the season is you wanted to, you wanted to learn behind Dalton about the way that he should play quarterback, right? You, you, you want to make sure that he's not a run-first guy to protect yourself and mm-hmm. protect your investment. All you just proved to him was that you're going to line him up to be killed. You're yeah. literally, you're going to send him back there and he's just going to get hit within three seconds because nobody could get open. And by the time that they did, the Cleveland already had, what, four, three or four de- defenders on him and not for nothing, but Cleveland's defense, they're, they're not great, but they looked great. When you have Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney on the same line, you have to do something to distract the defense and let them know that you're not always going to be throwing it. And Matt Nagy, what he showed me was that he's not ready. He does not have a game plan for a destructive defensive line. That's that's where he really so 
which brings me back to my Garrett correlation because you just connected it back for me. So the reason I always compare them to Garrett is because it was ineffectiveness to adapt, to change on the fly, to do things that when the defense throws things at you, you actually adjust and change your offense. Like when they're blitzing you, you put extra guys in the box or maybe throw a few hot routes every once in a while, maybe a couple dump offs. No, this dude was still throwing it out five wide, still throwing deep post patterns. It's like, bro, it, I, I, if I was DK, I would have thrown my TV out the window because <laughs> I almost did watching that game. Like I, I had it on one of the screens because I knew we were going to be talking about it this week. And it was so hard to watch. It was so hard to watch, man. Because listen, Cleveland didn't play that great. No. They really didn't. They, they, if the Brown, if the Bears had any semblance of offense, that game is much closer. Maybe the Bears win. Browns weren't that good in that game. Like literally, if if you just like do what you say and just how about you just put a running back back there with them just to maybe hold one of the <laughs> one, of the, one of the defensemen back. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the uh, one bright spot that I will say it's it's obviously it's not on the bear side. It was good to see Odell Beckham back. I think that, and I also think that they used him correctly, right? They weren't. Yeah, he got nine targets, but five catches for seventy-seven yards. Like that's if, if that's what his output's going to be. That team just has another layer of uh, of effectiveness on them because now what you don't want to see is you don't want to see Odell Beckham Jr. you know getting thirteen targets. That means you're going to lose. Yeah, because you're because you're not throwing to the open guy. You're just throwing it to Odell. But when you see the the targets, it's Odell. It's you know Odell at nine, Kareem Hunt at seven, and then everyone else at two and three. Uh, Kareem Hunt is a beast, bro. He's awesome when he gets rolling and, and and he gets some momentum behind him, you can't stop him. it's impossible it's impossible he's so good uh and then you throw in nick chubb up to like that that tandem 32 rushes for 165 yards is, is what nick chubb and cream hunt combined for that is absolutely ridiculous cream hunt was 10 for 81 and a touchdown averaged eight yards a carry dude like that is if that's the type of ball that you play, I know that you said that Cleveland didn't play that 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 great. I mean, if you're throwing for 250, and you're running for 215, and your defense is getting to the quarterback, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to beat a team like that. Do you want to hear some funny stats for the Bears? Sure do. Okay, so so the Bears had 47 total yards, as we already said, one passing yard, 46 rushing yards. They ran 40. How many plays? What a couple. So they ran 49 plays, right? You know what that equals out to yards per play? One, 1. 1.1. No, 1.1 <laughs> yard per play. That is one of the worst ratios I've ever seen. They had six first downs. Do you know what that means? That means the Bears gave up more sacks than they had first downs on Sunday. They were one for 11 on third down. One for 11. The Bears had five more first downs and Justin Fields had net, had net passing yards. <laughs> five. Not like five times more. No. no. Just five. Five. Just five. It, it was so bad, man. It, I just, I really did feel bad because, like, like I was saying, you guys, I love watching rookie quarterbacks and I love the upside that surrounds them, the, the yeah. re- renewed energy in the building. There's something different about it. It wasn't anything different about that. 
<laughs> so, so well, yeah, after this game, does Justin Fields lose any stock in your eye? Like, did, does his stock diminish, or is this just a byproduct of the fact that he might have been privy to the worst, the worst offensive game planning in the history of the National Football League? Yeah, you can't hurt his stock at all for this man. When you, when it's third and six and you're running uh, sweep draw plays to the right, it's the strong side defenses. I don't think that's Justin Fields' fault, bro. So uh, it, it was so bad. It was abysmal. It was in a shame. It was a... So what I'm trying to figure out. It was an abomination of football is what it was. Thank you. Thank you. That was exactly what I was going for. Next, uh, The next thing we want to talk about is actually your idea, so I'll just kind of let you run with it. I think, you know, we all saw Justin Tucker's field goal. We all saw the fact that, what was it, 4th and 20 on our 4th uh, and 19 on 19. their own. Yeah, on their own, like, 25-yard line, and uh, the Ravens, all, all the Lions had to do, all they had to do was allow 18 yards. That's it. Just allow 18 yards, and you win the game. But, of course, they didn't, which led you to thinking about what, Bobby? So, well, we're, we're trying to think of the worst Lions losses in NFL history, because one thing that stood out about that entire loss to me, so, first of all, Best best kick I've ever seen. Best one of the best endings I've ever seen to a football game. To as soon as that ball left his foot, you knew it. It, it had the distance, and you were just watching it and watching it. And all of a sudden, boy, it to see that thing shoot straight up into the air was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. The camera angle on it was just great. But what really, really solidified how amazing this was to me was watching the Lions fans react to yet another just worst loss imaginable. <laughs> All right. That camera angle from inside the stadium is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Was as soon as his foot touches the ball, you can hear a Lions fan behind the guy with the phone go, he fucking made it. <laughs> as soon as it touches his foot and you just, it's, it's halfway through the air, and you hear the entire stadium. Yeah. And when that thing goes through, I have never seen a stronger look of acceptance and dismay on a group of people in my entire life. There's a lady in the first row that she turns around, and, and, and she just, like, has this look of, like, okay. You know, like, just she couldn't believe. And then the dude behind her, you could tell he, he turned around, he starts dying laughing. His big blue Lions jersey on, he starts dying laughing. You know what that laugh is, right? Those are That's, tears. Those yeah. are tears that have been yeah. succumbed down by just years of memorable losses and now come out as laughter. Yeah, I mean, we've all been there as Red Sox fans, right? right. Uh, we all know it. We all know what that feels like. We all know what it looks like. I, I just, you know, uh, before we move to... to to the most lion losses of all time, you know, most lion like losses. I think a couple of things that are happening from this game. One thing that is that was true before that is still true now. Lamar Jackson is not great. I, I, I will repeat that he is yep. not great. Sixteen of thirty-one, two eighty, two eighty-seven, one touchdown, one pick. He's not great. However, fourth and 19, man, are you I mean, the fact that they let that happen is a disgrace 
to professional football. He had 72 years to throw that goddamn football. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. If fourth and 19, you're going to rush three and, and just let him sit back. Have you ever? There was that, it was at least seven seconds he was back there, right? At least. And like his throw was, like you said, it wasn't under pressure. He didn't even put a lot of pop on it. It was literally just a flick of the wrist. And somehow, if you drop eight people back, you would think that as <laughs> if an offense can only send five, someone has to be on everybody. Nope. Wide open. Just wide open. What The minute I saw that, I was like, I, I really can't believe that they're going to lose this game because that was it. You knew it. It was that you knew it was over then. And then that kick was absolutely beautiful. And the way that it hit the crossbar and then the way that it just popped straight up like a big fuck you to every Detroit Lions fan out there. who's just flipping them all off. Like, <laughs> but you know what? It, it, they, they were probably all thinking, you know what? Maybe we're still going to, maybe we're still going to squeak one out here because, you know, we deserve to win. And then uh, the NFL guards like, no, no, you don't. You're still Detroit. You are still Detroit. Doesn't matter. You can't, there's not enough lipstick that you put on that pig. You still suck. My favorite part of the whole thing, dude, was when you we were we were talking about it in the chat, and all of a sudden that fourth down happens, and you send, "Oh, lions, please don't lions this." <laughs> it, it was the most relatable text I've ever seen because as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, they're lionsing. This is happening, man. This is happening." I mean, unbelievable kick. Now I do I do love that it's the longest field goal in NFL history, and it's not in Denver. Right. So that's going to be a hard, hard mark to beat because, yeah, it's a dome, but I mean, it's not easy to kick a 66 yarder in Denver, but it's easier to kick a 66 yarder in Denver than it is in Detroit, one would think. Uh, so Justin Tucker, balls, absolute brass yeah. balls on that kick. And he, it, it's, you're right, he kicked it. And he did like you know you know the guy from the replacements the kicker like the minute he the minute he kicked it he kind of started doing a little hip thing like he mm-hmm. knew he knew it was going so I hate the Ravens fundamentally hate them but I think that you know I'm happy they won because there's if there's anything that I like more than a Ravens loss it's a Lions loss whether they lost that game yeah it was amazing so that's gonna that that so but actually before we get into that. The Ravens, bro, I agree with you on that. I have to say, I 100% agree with you on the Ravens. Uh, I, I think that Chiefs win uh, was a little more of, you know, when you get to the end of the season, you look back on, like, those weird wins where you're like, I can't believe they beat that team. Yeah. I, I think we're going to look back and see and see that Ravens game. is like, wow, they beat them? Because you're right. For them to struggle with the Lions like that after the 49ers, and granted the Lions came back, but the 49ers pretty much mopped the floor with them. In week one. Three quarters, and, yeah. And the Lions didn't look much better last week. Uh, and then all of a sudden, supposedly, after your biggest win in your career in franchise history, you come out and you need the longest field goal in history to beat the Detroit Lions. You can't do that as one and of the top teams in the league. Right. You need the bounce, too. It, it goes back to exactly what we said about the Cowboys. When you play bad teams and you're a good team, you take care of business and you know that's a good team versus a bad team. Yeah. That's not what happened here. Now, uh, the part the portion of the program that's undoubtedly going to piss me off the most, it is time for this week's edition of the Real BK's Power Rankings. Go ahead, go ahead, Bobby. Week three. So this week, 
was one of the hardest we said I've ever had to do these, uh, just because of how crazy of a week of football it was, how many teams we saw that we thought were really good lose, how many teams that we didn't think were that good win, a um, couple teams are still 3-0 and that we're not expecting to be. Uh, so these rankings are a little different than they were last week, to say the least. And I did because there is those couple of 3-0 teams. We only list the 10 on the actual power rankings, but I did go to 14 just because I felt like I had to. I had to, I had to at least let the world know where I have these other 3-0 teams. So that means that you have three 3-0 teams that are not in the top 10. Uh, no, I have two 3 0 teams that are not in the top 10. Great. So, 14 is the Broncos. Uh, listen, they look good, but they beat the Jets and the Giants to get the 3 0. So, I'm really hesitant to say that they're a good football team. Listen, Teddy's playing great. All right. But you beat the Jets and the Giants. All right. You're not going above 14. I'm sorry. Um, 13, this is only because their best player is up. They would have been higher because I had them higher until I was reminded that CMC is out for a few weeks. It's the Panthers at 13. So just, just so that I'm, I'm clear here, mm-hmm. your power rankings don't just take into what's happened to this point, but what could happen moving forward because you just removed Carolina for something that happened that has not affected them yet. Yeah, it's the power ranking. The power rankings are the power of the NFL. You know what I mean? It's it's the power of how you feel it yeah. looks on the field right now. All right. I'm, I'm already pissed and we're already on 13. <laughs> so 12, 49ers. I don't believe in this team. I'm sorry. I don't. Uh, any team with Jimmy G as their quarterback, to me, isn't a top 10 team in the NFL. I'm sorry. Except for when he starts all the games and they're the top team in the NFL. Yeah, but he, listen, he did not look like a top tier NFL quarterback. And, and, and week three. And some of the decisions he makes just don't seem like he's that next, that, that level of quarterbacks that can take you to the next level. He'll get you there. But guess what? When it comes down to it, he's going to miss that deep bomb down the middle. And you're not going to win the Super Bowl because of it. That's something that actually happened. So that partnered with the running back injuries in San Francisco right now, they don't have a running back room. They literally don't have one. So it's really tough for me to put them higher than 12. 11. I did it. At 11, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, my. We have the Kansas City Chiefs. Or, as someone on this podcast once called them, the Kansas Shitty Chiefs. That happened on the air. That's a true story. I, I, I had to do it, man. I, I was going through this all, and, and the teams that are in the top 10 just deserve to be there more, whether it be their record, whether it be how they've looked so far. Listen. Is Kansas City the 11th? Do I think Kansas City is better than the 11th best team in the NFL? Absolutely. Are there 10 teams that have looked better, been better, and to me, just seem better at football right now? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I would say that three of them are actually ranked, uh, ranked lower than them on your power rankings. Exactly. For a one or two team to me with, with all these three and other teams uh, and teams that look better, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I know I have two below. I know, I know, I know. Listen, the Panthers and the Broncos, we're going to expose the Panthers this next week. Don't worry. So 10, uh, I have what I like to describe as a night of cocaine in Las Vegas, the Arizona Cardinals. I've never seen a team that's so Jekyll and Hyde my entire life. It's like throughout an entire Arizona Cardinals football game, the great things happen. 
good things happen and really, really bad things happen to them. But when you get to the end of the night, you're like, well, you know, it was pretty goddamn fun. And at least we came out on top. So that's why the Cardinals to me are 10. Uh, nine, I have the Ravens. I, I know what we just said about Lamar, but listen, they did beat the Chiefs. Uh, and they did win against the Lions. So I can't take a team. I believe I had them at four last week or yes. five. I can't take a team out of the top 10 after winning a game. I know it was ugly, but I just can't do it, especially after beating the Chiefs last week. Can't do it. I think the, I, I think the Chiefs lost to the Ravens more than the Ravens beat the Chiefs, but go ahead. Agreed. Agreed. But so eight Los Angeles Chargers. I think this team is legit. Justin Herbert is legit. Uh, they beat the Chiefs, but, you know, wholeheartedly on Sunday. They beat them good, uh, and they stopped Mahomes on a fourth quarter drive to win the game, which is so, something that pretty much not many people in the NFL have been able to do so far. Uh, so we have the Chargers at eight. Number seven, couldn't put them any higher than this, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, thank Jesus. I thought I really thought I was going to see a world where the Cowboys were top five. No, no, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing it. I couldn't put them any higher than this. I have the Cowboys at seven. I, I do absolutely believe in this team. Uh, I think that's very evident. Here, uh, just the way they've looked, they absolutely look like one of the best 10 teams in the NFL. I thought at week one, watching everyone, I was like, listen, this team is better than most of these teams. Uh, so Cowboys are seven. Number six, listen, I know week one was really bad. Aaron Rodgers is back, man. Green Bay Packers are number six. He was so good on Sunday night. Uh, 37 seconds left for him to drive down, get them in the field goal range and win that game. Impressive, man. Got to give it to him on that one. Packers of six. Uh, making their first appearance since the preseason top 10 rankings, power rankings, the Buffalo Bills. All right. They showed me a lot after these past two weeks. Uh, I doubted them after the week one against the Steelers, which is going to be another one of those outlier games because, man, the Steelers are bad. I don't know how they beat the Bills. Uh, but then the next, next two weeks came back out and demolished the Dolphins, uh, won by a billion yesterday. Uh, so we have the Bills at five. Four, team that has stayed pat at this number four ranking this entire time, Cleveland Browns. They manhandled the Bears. Uh, only loss so far this season is to the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, yes, the Chiefs have lost two in a row since then. Uh, but two and one, and I still think they're one of the better teams in the NFL. I love their defense. I love that backfield. Uh, and I, I enjoy Baker Mayfield. So keeping them at four. I see you judging it. Number three. Number three. Mike, I know you'll like this one. Number three. We have the Los Angeles Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. They're here, guys. I think they're legit. I love this team, man. DK, DK's gonna, ears are going to be bleeding hearing <laughs> this. But I think Gruden, Gruden's doing a great job this year. I really do. Did you call them the Los Angeles Raiders? Did I? Did I? The Las Vegas Raiders. So I, I do think... Gruden's doing a really good job this year. Uh, and Carr looks like he might be one of the top six, seven quarterbacks in the league right now. I mean, basically for passing yards, he's the best quarterback in the league right now. So there you go. Raiders at three. Number two, uh, I had to move him down one because they just got smoked by the team at number one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I didn't see it coming. I definitely didn't. I knew the Rams were good, but I definitely did not see the manhandling that they put on the Bucs coming. Um, Bucks at two. Uh, 
I, I'm surprised that they're not. I, I, I thought there was going to be a, a 17 and 0 here for Brady. I thought he was going to take it to that next level, you know? Oh, the next, next level. That's the next, you're... next level, right? And then number one, it's no brainer, man. Uh, the LA Rams, they are a wagon right now. Matthew Stafford and McVay are a match made in heaven. They look like they love playing football together. The only thing that scares me about them is your former running back, Sonny Michelle, being their starting running back right now. Mr. As I like to call him, Mr. 3.2 himself. Uh, so uh, that's the only thing that scares me is that backfield can get healthy. Uh, I don't see a lot of teams being able to stop them with that defense, that offense. They're going to be tough to beat. Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, man. I mean, Jalen Ramsey is unbelievable this year. The way that he just roams around the defensive backfield and, and is wherever they need him to be, whenever they need him to be there, they can be and they look to be a, a force to be reckoned with. I also think that, you know, this whole narrative that Matt Stafford never had any offensive talent, that's bullshit. Remember, he did have Calvin it's Johnson. so much talent. He did have Golden Tate. He did have Marvin Jones. He all, I mean, the, the list really just goes on. But I think this is the best system he's ever been a part of. I think McVay knows how to coach him. I, I mean, I, I don't think that the Rams are going to go 17 and 0, but, you know, 13 and 4, that's, that's in play. Yeah. Do you think they run away with the West? I mean, the only ones I think that, that can really challenge them. Uh, I, I don't know if the Seahawks are real anymore. They, obviously drop far out are the Niners, right? I mean, I don't think the car can the Cardinals challenge the Rams in that division. I I still think at the end of this year, the Seahawks will be, if not the first, the second in that division. Yeah. Yeah. I just, Russell Wilson does not have losing seasons. Yeah. Sure. I mean, so, I mean, there's always a first, I guess, but I just, I don't think it's going to happen now. I think, that offense just hasn't really uh, hasn't really been clicking. Although Tyler Lockett has been absolutely fucking destroying me in fantasy football, but that entire offense, once it clicks, Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, Lockett, and that it, they're in the situation now that Dallas was last year, right? Just don't be the worst defense in the league. Just just be a just, just be a the seventeenth defense in the league. You're going to be fine. Mike, you'd be, you'd be a great NFL coach, bro. Listen, guys, listen. Just don't be the worst. Right, and we'll be okay. Like, listen, if 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 you don't have the horses on defense, that's fine. Just do just a little bit better, just a little bit more, and I promise you, there's going to be the playoffs. Which now brings us to what I believe is the most anticipated regular season football game in the history of the National Football League. You have Tom Brady, Tom fucking Brady coming back in to the house that Drew Bledsoe built, but that he decorated for the first time since leaving here and winning a Super Bowl in his first year without Bill Belichick. Mind you, just to appease you, Bobby, the Patriots looked like an absolute shit miss the last weekend. Now, I, I, I was with uh, a bunch of people from out of state. I told them, they were Saints fans, you're going to win this week. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it, I just know it. I thought it was going to be because they looked past the Saints. Who would have thought it's just because the Saints were better? You, you, I mean, you dropped Mac Jones back 51 times, and he was pressured 35% of the time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, talk about, we talked about it with, with Justin Fields, right? 
I understand he wasn't sacked nine times for 67 yards, but he didn't have any time to process anything. That offensive line is absolute garbage. And I don't know. We're about to play a, a team who's been told that their defense is not as good as they were last year, that they suck. This smells to me like it, like the Tampa Bay defense is going to eat Mac Jones alive. Just honestly, so that Pats game, I, I think Bill did Mac a huge disservice. Uh, after he threw that pick six, listen, I know you're still in the game. Dude obviously doesn't have it tonight. All right. I don't throw him back out there for 50 times like that. I take him out, put him away for the rest of the game, man. Because at that point, listen, James White was out. Brandon Bolden, right, in the backfield on pass coverage. And there's a blitz up the middle. Brandon Bolden, I was so mad watching him try to play pass coverage on a blitz coverage. I'm not even a Pats fan. To see this dude just stand back there, right? He's in the middle. He went to the left, goes to the right, doesn't touch anyone. Not one person. And Mac <laughs> Jones has three dudes on him. And he throws that wobbly pick, right? Next pick. He, he was hit when he threw it. Right, that's what I mean. So he's hit right. when he throws it. And he throws that that pick. And so that's, to me, not his fault. That's your pocket breaking down. That you're running back, not knowing that he's a fucking professional NFL running back and how to pick up a, a blitz. And, and that's what happens. You know, when the rest of your teammates fail, you also fail. It's just the way it works. Then the second pick. Hit Johnny Smith square in the goddamn hands. <laughs> so he hit him right in the hands. First, it was the first play coming out of half, right? Yep. Yeah, first play coming out of half, right in the hands, pick six. To me, if I'm Bill, man, at that point, you know that you don't have it today. You know next week's a big game. You know you need Mac on his game next week to even to to look like you're an NFL football team next week. I would have taken him out right there because the 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 narrative that got created now is that Mac Jones is going to be a bust, that Mac Jones is this. That Guys, it's been three goddamn games of his career, okay? And, and, and it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. He, yes, he made some bad choices, but good. Not for nothing. Uh, I'm not in the Mac Jones is going to be a bust camp. I'm just also, I've never been, I, I, I stand by what I said six weeks ago. This team would have been better off with Cam Newton running this offense this year. I know it. Everyone now knows it because it now what happened on I mean what happened on Sunday and the Sunday before and the Sunday before it these are all Cam Newton like wins and losses one win two losses not a lot of touchdowns the thing that you have lost is your red zone efficiency you're now one of the very worst teams in the red zone in the NFL I think it's a twenty nine percent red zone. Uh, 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 scoring percentage, which by the way is half of what it was last year. Mac Jones in this past game though, against the Saints wasn't his fault man. When you drop back 51 times and you're pressured 35% of the time, it's not good. Uh, and oh by the way, when one of your high priced tight ends decides that today's not the day that he wants to catch the football you're screwed. Yeah, you toast. Uh it's 25% after this past weekend, and it's 32nd in the league. Yeah, they're the worst team. They have, they have, they have the worst red zone scoring team, and it's, it's awful. And this, by the way, like this defense, they're not playing great either. What happened What happened to your front seven, bro? The Kamara in that Saints offense just went 
ran all over them, walked all over them that entire game. Judon was a goddamn no-show in that game. Hightower, no-show. Hightower got trucked by Taysom Hill. How the hell do you let yourself get trucked by Taysom Hill, Dante Hightower? Uh, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Couldn't believe it. So all of this is happening, and now Brady is coming back, like I said, to Gillette Stadium after getting after losing by 10 points to the Rams. What do you think he's going to do? Like, what do you, before we even get to the game, because that, that's it, that's an easy answer. As someone who's no longer a Patriots fan, Bobby, how excited are you for everything leading up to the first kickoff of this game? I mean, it does tickle my insides a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Did it, that, what I, I did feel bad. I'd say that Adele thing that they came out with on oh Sunday Night Football, man, that was, I almost teared up. I was sitting there just like, oh, Tom, what? What ha- on the other side? What do you mean? It, it's going to be a tough week for you guys. And, and <laughs> I, I can't say I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah, you are. But I'm going to enjoy it a little bit. But like, I'm really not, though, because listen, it's all built, but it's all Bill's fault. That's what it comes down to is like, I, I don't care what anyone says. When it comes down to it, if Bill Belichick wanted Tom Brady in New England, he would be here. Period. All right. And and there's no doubt of that in my mind. Like, you have the greatest quarterback. No, it's not even goddamn close. And he comes up to you at 37 and says, I want a five-year contract. I want to play to him 45. You know what you do? You look at him and go, okay. I I don't care. I don't care. You do it. And if he sucks before that, you cut him. Whatever. But you, you, you do it, man, because this is what happens. It is, you, you get to this point where it's like, okay, what? Oh, you're just another one of the 53 guys. Fuck you, bro. It's Tom Brady. So I, it's a little bittersweet because I'm like, listen, they did it. Bill, Bill did it to you guys. You oh, yeah. guys should still have Tom Brady. If, if things got handled without ego, with football decisions, as Bill always says it is, Tom Brady will still be here. So it hurts a little bit for me, for you guys. Bill always likes to talk about how you'd rather be a year too early than a year too late. Right? Fine. You might have been five years early with Brady. <laughs> There's a real chance that this SOB now, because of how much the game has changed now, how much you protect the quarterback, he might see it in his eyes or thinking in his brain. I want to outlast Bill. I want to be here. Maybe I'll play. You know, he was. He said to Gronk, "I'll play till I'm 50. Maybe he was kidding. Maybe he wasn't. As it's currently constituted right now, three through three weeks of NFL football, Brady is 97 of 141 for 1,087 yards, 10, 10 touchdowns, two picks. You know, to quote Rayshon from this time last year, ball game. That's it. Like he he went and he won the Super Bowl in his first year. Oh, now but he's forty four and he's the the second leading passer in the league. And your rookie gunslinger from Alabama is the twenty first leading passer in the league. I mean, again, we're, we're kind of a family friendly show, but that's him telling Bill, "Fuck off, you were wrong, and I will be here 
way longer than you thought I would. And now there's this real possibility. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but if he wins one, two, maybe three, do we start thinking about Tom Brady not in just the context of the New England Patriots? Like you'll actually remember his Bucks career. That's the scary part to me. You don't remember the, the majority of Joe Montana's Chiefs career. Yeah, he was there for a couple of years. Yeah, he brought him to the AFC tell game. Yeah, whatever. If Brady goes to Tampa after going to nine Super Bowls and his first 19 years in the league as a starter, and then he wins his first one, and then maybe he, go, maybe he wins two more, or maybe he just goes to two more. Now the conversation is, okay, he had a, a Hall of Fame career, three Hall of Fame careers in New England. He also had a separate Hall of Fame career in Tampa Bay. That's what we're talking about now. So I think, let me just get right down to my prediction. It will either be a 38-point win <laughs> for Tampa Bay or Belichick wins by one. But it won't be close. Belichick's going to throw everything that he has at Tom Brady. I think he's the only coach in the league that knows Tom you know, better than Tom might know himself in terms of where he's going to go in the field but you don't have the horses you couldn't get to you you could not get to Jameis Winston you think you, you think Tom Brady's going to hold on to the ball for longer than four seconds no not once not never that's never going to happen Bobby this is going to be an absolute clinic by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah I, I have to agree with you which part I said a lot and so with, with the, that it's going to be an absolute clinic by the Buccaneers because the motivation that Tampa has coming into this game. So first of all, they just came off their first loss of the season. A. B. The, the motivation is absolutely on Brady's and the Bucs side. You know what I mean? When you think about it, Brady was the one that was slighted. Brady's the one who, according to his dad and Alex Guerrero, was treated like a 20-year-old kid, not a 40-year-old man. Brady's the one who decided that he needed to leave to better his life and his happiness. So like there's so many different aspects of this that gives the motivation to Brady. On top of that, the Buccaneers are just by far away a better football team. So oh, it's it's gonna be ugly. I think it's gonna be like 38 to 7 if I had to put a score on it. The only chance the Pats have is they have to realize that they have a rookie quarterback and stop trying what what they're doing with this whole dump and run game? Like, I I, I tweeted something uh, yesterday where it's like it could be thirty and seventy, and Josh McDaniels would run, run a screen pass. <laughs> it's like, bro, it's so true though, because like it just seems like that's all he knows how to do at this point. The only way they can beat the Bucks is attack that secondary. They have to be aggressive through the air. They have to attack that secondary because they're beat up back there. That's how Dallas almost beat them. And, and they don't spread the ball around. Uh, and if Mac doesn't have his first 300-yard passing game, it's going to be ugly. I mean, do you have any confidence in the, in the, in the Patriots' ability to stop Devin White, Adama Kinsu, and Jason Pierre-Paul from getting to him? Because I know. So yeah, you attack the secondary. But that means that you have to at least let a play develop for longer than four seconds. And I don't know that that's going to be able to happen. Also, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, and like I know that this is a little soundbite-ish, but if you don't think that Rob Gronkowski wants to stick his foot far up Bill Belichick's ass in this game, you are very, very, very mistaken. This might be the game that Gronk goes seven for 85 yards and three touchdowns. 
literally and just spikes it right in Bill's grunting, oversized face. How about that? How many seam routes do you think are happening on Sunday? Do you think they specifically have like three to four seam routes called just to be like, hey, Bill, remember this? I do wonder if, if Hightower can cover that. Because you got to imagine that he didn't practice for a long time. Maybe the old Hightower, man, but I don't, this doesn't look like the same Dante Hightower. I mean, maybe it's rushed because he sat out last year, but I never saw Dante Hightower. Like I said, that Taysom thing stood out to me because that was fourth down, too. That was the game. That was the game. And Taysom trucked him. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he can, uh, but not the way he's been playing. And it, it, it's got to be ugly, especially no JoJo White, too, which is a big thing. Jason White. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Uh, I, well, if if Mac Jones is your leading rusher, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble because he was last week. I I don't know where Damian Harris went, but you get you give him six carries for 14 yards. What are we doing? Mac Jones rushed it six times for 28 yards against the Saints. So that cannot happen. A couple of the bright spots that do uh, that 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 could lead them to picking apart the secondary. Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers has been Mr. Reliable ever since Tom left. I think he was one of the receivers that Tom froze out, whatever, right? But they don't have the horses to compete with if he's off the COVID list. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait. I I think, is Scotty Miller still there? I think he's He's hurt. Okay, well, you know, he's still better than John Smith. So, hurt. <laughs> great, great, great <laughs> to spend that money. Last thing we'll talk about for this game uh, that I think is it's being talked about nationally. Bill Belichick is sixty-two and seventy-four without Tom Brady. That is a worse winning percentage than Rex Ryan, who has been fired twice and is now in the broadcast booth because no one thinks that he has the ability to win. Belichick looks ordinary without the greatest of all time to ever do it. Now, everyone's, yeah, it was both of them. Phil Jackson won with Michael and with Kobe. Belichick needs to have another plan because if he doesn't, he will be remembered as the greatest coach in New England history that was elevated because he had the greatest football player in the history of the game. Yeah, I I think Belichick, like, listen, he's a football genius. He really is. But I, I think that those traits and things that have been endearing for all those years with Brady are really coming back to bite him in the ass now because you look at how Brady reacted once he went to Tampa Bay, how much fun he's having, how much he's bringing in those other guys that he wanted to play with, how it's his team, how it's this machine that Brady built. That's what, the, if Belichick just could have been like, all right, Brady, you know what? Fuck it, do you think? All that's in New England. All that's in New England. And, and it's, it, it to me, is it really is a, a spot on Belichick's record when it comes down to it because he really does look ordinary. Not only does he look ordinary, but he looks like an ordinary asshole. Yep. So those two combinations as a head coach isn't going to work for you. If you're not a great X's and O's guys or you're not, you know, the greatest let's go, like hoorah guy then you better be able to connect to your players and you better be able to have them want to win and want to go out there and run through a wall for you. Bill doesn't give me that that feeling of like, let's go at all. 
And I think that was very evident this past Sunday because that team was not ready to play. Not to so. go too far back, but like 2019 wasn't Bill's fault. I give him a pass on that. He just comes off of what three straight years in the Super Bowl, ten straight years in the conference title in the conference title game. Rob Gronkowski fucked them that year by 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 retiring yeah. late. Also, Bill brought in Antonio Brown. I understand why they had to let go of him the way that they did. Like maybe j- just don't threaten a, a woman and their child, please. Like, can you not do that? But like that being said, Brady leaving is Bill's fault. You know, you just say, listen, Tom, you know what? Let's just ride this until your wheels fall off. Not the wheels, but yours. Whatever you need. If you need three more years at, we'll call it like 30 million a year guaranteed, let's do it. Because yeah, I think last year still would have been a down year because of all the dead money that they had tied into it. But I find it hard to believe that all the players that opted out last year would have still opted out as Tom Brady was the quarterback, right? I, I think they would have definitely, they definitely would have played. 100%. You still would have made a run at the division. So right now, Belichick looks like a guy. He looks like Don Shula, right? Don Shula was a football genius in the 70s. He wasn't a football genius in the 90s when he was still coaching the Dolphins. That's what you're scared of. Yeah, I I think he might be the greatest mind that the game has ever seen. But has he lost it? Is he still coaching like it is the mid-2000s or the mid-2010s, right? And now that he doesn't have the greatest player in the world at their position to cover up all of his mistakes, this is what you get. I still think the Patriots are going to be better than what they are uh, currently. I was hoping that they would be coming into this game at 3-0. and That way they can walk out at 3-1. and That was a real chance that they're going to be you know, a 1-3 after this game, which is awful. Uh, last thing before before we wrap up, it's been a long show. I just want to take this, uh, this, this time to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart. The Boston Red Sox are absolute fucking frauds. They are, you know, I, I thank you so much for doing your, for, for, for giving me the pleasure of having a meaningful August, September. Great. Love you. Mean it. But they are mentally inept. They are mental midgets. Also, you, you have the season, your destiny, the postseason in your hands. The Yankees come into town last weekend and they beat the brakes off of you. The Red Sox started this year nine and four against the Yankees. Since the trade deadline, they're zero and six. So you tell me, do you want to go into New York on October fifth? And if you do, do you have any confidence that they're going to win? They won't. Nathan Navaldi, yeah, we all uh, great story. I think the guy has balls. I really do. But there's a real difference between being a number one starter and a number three starter. Yeah, couldn't agree more, bro. That first game. Uh, just you knew it was going to be a long series as soon as that game started because they look flat from inning one. Uh, our, our bullpen, Matt Barnes, bro, is the biggest fraud of them all. And I think we all knew it the whole time. That man might be the least talented all-star in the history of Major League Baseball. He made the all-star team this year, right? Come August, we're putting him in in the sixth inning. And it is seven to one, eight to one, just so we can get his confidence back. Bro, get out of here. You are not a closer. The Red Sox do not have a closer. And that is going to be the, the death of them by the end that of the That John Carlos Stanton home run was the most Manny Ramirez-like home run I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a right-handed hitter put a ball that far over the bullpen in, uh, in right field. It, I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous but again it speaks 
to the overall uh, mentality and mental fortitude of this team. They have no mental toughness. And you know what? Ownership in the front office didn't believe in them anyway, because you saw what they did at the trade deadline. They went and got a, uh, they went, they went out and they got a first baseman. Problem there is the guys never fucking played first base in the major leagues. I don't understand it. And last thing I'll say about this team against teams that are, uh, that are better than 500, the Red Sox are 46 and 48. They're not a good team. They are a better team than we thought they were going to be, which is great. 88, 68, perfect. 90 win team. Awesome. Hope to God that that's true. But in, in a late September series, when your arch rivals come into your ballpark and you are in possession of the number one wild card spot, you got swept. You got swept. You got your asses handed to you. And now all you can do is pray that you hold on to that second spot. And you're going to, right, uh, for a while because Toronto and Tampa Bay are playing each other. I uh, no, sorry, Toronto and New York are playing each other. So, like, just don't just don't lose. Like, <laughs> just maybe just split your next series, right? Just beat Baltimore or, or sweep them. If you do that, then, yeah, you're going to hold on to the second wild card spot. But do whatever you need to do to not go to New York on October 5th because this is not a prediction. It is a spoiler. If you go there, you're going to lose and you're going to go home. Yeah, man. Completely agree. What's so frustrating about the whole thing uh, is not even just these sad guys that aren't stepping up. It's the guys that we expected to that aren't doing anything. Uh, You look at Xander and Devers. They were 9 for 41 in this series, which is a combined 220 batting average. For your two backbones against your rival to show out like that, is it is, is so telling and, and i got a message from Rachel on the other day i think one of them man uh, i think you got to see what's out there for him you know what i mean you got to shake this up a little more I, I think we're one step away from being able to do something uh but i don't know the the both of them that left side of the defense is such a liability uh because devers over there bogart's over there and if they're not gonna pull their weight with the bat in these big situations, man, you got to do something. So I'm with you. I'm thinking about the Orioles, thinking about positivity. You know, there's still a chance this team uh, could have a playoff game in Boston. Very possible. A wild card playoff game. God damn it, man. That was so frustrating. That, that was one of the most frustrating baseball seasons or series I've seen in, in quite a time. If you would just split with the Yankees since the trade deadline, just split with them. You're still in. You're still in a commanding place in terms of that wild card spot, right? But instead, you go zero and six. You lose all six games against your arch rivals, who, by the way, went out of their way to spend their asses off and get the players that they needed to get to fill the voids that they had on that team. You did nothing. So I'm not. I, I disagree with you in the sense that I think your offense is not your issue. You need to be in this off season. Spend whatever you need to spend. Go over the threshold. Go over the tax. Get actual pitchers. Chris Sale has been great since he came back. Now surround him with actual talent. Again, I, I think Nathan Navaldi, I think he has balls. But he's not a number one. So figure it out. Now, if he's your number three, Chris Sale is your number two, and you get a, a real number one in here, then now we're talking about a 100-win Red Sox team. Right? So 
that's really all I had to say about the Red Sox. Bobby, do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah. So I have a question for you. Uh, so with the COVID stuff, right? So since the trade deadline, I'm just going to give you your numbers. Yankees are 35 and 19. Red Sox are 25 and 26. So that means the Yankees have gained 10 games on the Red Sox since the trade deadline, which first is just absurd. How much of that COVID outbreak do you think had to do with it? And do you think that this would be a different conversation if we didn't do that? If that didn't happen, are we having a different conversation about how this bullpen looks, about how this rotation looks, about how the swag in this team looks? Because listen, at the beginning of the year, this team had swag. It just doesn't seem like it's there anymore. And just to add on to this, the Red Sox just lost to the Baltimore Orioles tonight. So <laughs> that's, you know, so like I just, the, the swag has completely disappeared from this team. And, and I don't know what, I feel like it had to be the COVID thing, right? No, I think, it, no, I think that they're, I think that it's fake swag. Dude. I think that they're self-entitled I, that they're, you know, their first 30 games. Sure. You know, uh, for all those that wrote about us at the beginning of the year, we remember. Yeah. Remember this, <laughs> remember this. Okay. Because again, like you just said, the Yankees game, uh, gained 10 games on them since, uh, since the all-star break or the trade mm-hmm. deadline, right? Six of those were head to head, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> just, just split. And everything that you just told me is way different. Yeah. COVID's an issue. But as far as I know, you're not the only team in the league that's dealt with COVID. So like figure it out because it's still here. It's not going anywhere in the foreseeable future, and every other team has to deal with it. And if you think that your team has a chance to make a run, if you're in the front office, spend money. They've, uh, they, they will do it, right? This is what they will do. We know it. This is the difference between 07, 13, and 18. There's like that five-year gap where they kind of, you know, they kind of dick around and they're, and they're near the playoffs. And then there's that one abomination last year where they're like, oh, okay, we got to do something here. And then what, they'll get to the World Series again, right? You have the horses on offense. They have pretty good starting pitching, right? Chris Sale, Evaldi, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, Enrique Rodriguez, right? That's good. Or it, you just need to surround them with the right people. So, yeah, I mean, so we said it at the deadline though, right? We said it when they only got Schwarberless. I, I was trying to stick a farm. Like, oh no, they got the pieces. They got this. They got that. Wasn't they, they even said it. We need to show our guys that we believe that they can make this run, that we're only that next piece away from making the run. Charrington came out and said that. And the only thing he brought back here was Nick Schwarber. Was the first baseman who doesn't play first. Right. So who, who, who is Kyle Schwarber? Did I see Nick Schwarber? Kyle Schwarber. And it, it's so frustrating because you're right. If they went out and they got, listen, we were in the running for Scherzer. Scherzer has been an absolute animal for the Dodgers since he got here. I'm pretty sure he is under a one ERA or it's like one, one or something right. stupid like that. So it's, it, it's just crazy, man. If they went out and made the moves that they could have made, cause we have the farm pieces, it would, we'd be in a different situation right now, but they didn't. And here we are. This has been another edition of Missing the Point. I am Mike. You're joined by the Real BK, Bob Kelly. Again, thank you, Craig. Go Cowboys. Go Bears. Go Patriots. But more importantly, go Tom Brady. We'll talk to you next week. 
Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast.